0: Pod 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 Rugby Pod.
1: Hello and welcome back to the 50th and final episode of the fifth season of the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan. Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We're going to take a look back at the Lions' crushing defeat in the third test against the Springboks. Reflect on the tour as a whole and look at what the future may hold for the Lions. Then we're going to cheer everyone up with Wallabies legend Matt Gitto joining us from LA. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify.
2: This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team At Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit
1: JiffyLube.com. How's your week been, lads? 50R! Is is it
3: 50R, Andrew?
0: It's the 50th episode of the fifth season, James. It's been a long, old fucking season, hasn't it? Let's
3: be honest. It does feel that way. But hey, how ironic that we finish on a Ravo's arm. Let's be honest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, and what happens when you get to 50? If you concede 50, Jim, you don't go out. So if you get to 50 podcasts, we're allowed out. We're allowed out again, Jim. Let's go out and get absolutely humdingoed.
3: In Scotland, you can stand up and drink now, whatever that means. (laughs) How ironic is all this? So we get to Ravo's arm. Nightclubs are open. I don't know whether that... Can you dance? Can you... I mean, I'm an unbelievable... Well, I was an unbelievable dancer. I mean, I've aged significantly in lockdown. I probably can't dance anymore, but I think I can dance. It's all open. The Lions is finished. We'll get onto that. I need a break. I'm off my phone for two weeks, that's all I'm saying, I think. Maybe two hours, but...
0: <laughs> yeah. All those good things start out well, don't they? And then it's two days later, you're like, Matt I'm itching to get back. Are you going off the lot? Are you Are going off Twitter, Instagram, everything?
3: I'm not too sure about Instagram. I might post pictures because I've got such a good life. Yeah, just, I just want to show people smoke some and mirrors, Andrew. You know, just <laughs> show them what it's not really like. Um, but I'm definitely coming off Twitter for a bit. Just because, Andrew, as you know... The more you tweet, the more you eat. I mean, the more you tweet, the more engagement you get and you start building a following, you start building a brand and it becomes a thing. And I don't want it to become a thing. I need like, you know, I need to look up. I need to take in my children growing up. And, you know, I, I need to take in the fact that when I've got my head down on my phone, everyone can see the biscuit. So I've got to start looking up. <laughs> Very true. But genuinely, I need a couple of weeks off to refresh. It has been a long year as we know obviously with the pandemic um, a lot's happened at home and we've been consumed and living on screens now not that i'm a, a naturist or a wildist, but i need to get out there in the sticks lads and just be the wild man that i was born to be so yes i'm off twitter for two weeks instagram if I get some good photos of me looking shredded uh, making good coffee basically if i look unbelievable and i think that i'm going to get a A few likes and stuff like that, I'll put on Instagram. So at Jim Hamilton 4, follow me on Instagram if you don't already, and uh, I'll put out The Good Life. But yes, I I much needed a break for me, Andrew. You good self? A lot's happened to you. You've had your ankle fused, gastric band, kidney stones. Pablo's not come back. He's still on furlough. Is he still on furlough? Have you fallen out about that or not? What's happened? Pablo's back. Oh, is he?
0: He is back in grafting, yeah. So basically, Jim, you're coming off Twitter because you don't want conversations, but you're going to continue to lie to the masses and put on the what everyone does on Instagram, just put on your best photos that aren't actually real life. You're going to be an actor. You're going to carry on being an actor, but not a, an actor <laughs> with an opinion.
3: Andrew, we're all actors, mate. It's all a front. So we're going to come back bigger. We're going to come back better. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though, quickly, because it is the end of the series, Not, and you normally do the thank yous at the end. And, Goody, we chat about it at the weekend the amount of people that have come up to me or messaged me and saying that over the last 12 months the last 18 months the podcast has been special to them you know and they've really enjoyed listening and we've given them joy um genuinely hand on heart that does a lot for me so the people that have have come up to me the hundreds of thousands that have spoken to me i appreciate that because it has been a tough year and the podcast has given not just me goody andy Rowe, producer tim a kind of two-hour space to get away from the kids screaming and all the other dramas and all the news and all the news bulletins. But it does genuinely, like, make you feel happy that you're giving people a little bit of insight into how good a rugby player I used to be, you know?
0: Or just how much of a clown you are, James, and I am Very well. true, though. Um, yeah, it, it, it has been great, and we do appreciate it. But what I want people to do, and I implore people, on Wednesday, Wednesday lunchtime, just take a moment, have a minute's peace and thoughts... And prayers just for me because I'm back in for another operation on Wednesday. Oh, what's happened? Oh, the kidney stone's got to be—it's got to be fully cleaned out. The stent's got to come out. The old consultant's got to go down the old boy, um, straight down the bell end, and you know, up into the kidney, take out the stent, and hopefully, I'll be fully recovered for the next time we start season six of the Rugby Pod. But just take a moment on Wednesday to think about me lying there, prone, belly out, balls out, and my consultant is going to go down the willy and up into the kidney, and take everything out, clean it out, and hopefully I'll be as good as new in about six weeks.
3: Oh, I don't know what good as new means, but in terms of praying, I'm not a prayer, but I will pray that there's a picture taken of you on the operating table, spread eagle, and that it goes viral. And at that point, I will be back on social media, I will be back on Twitter, and I will be sharing, I will be liking, and I will be interacting with that. Right, well, let's talk about some rugby now, then. Let's go to the Lions. They came so close, but ultimately... Came up a bit short, didn't they, guys? Nothing in it, Andrew. I mean, we both had South Africa down to win the game. Very impressed with how the Lions played. I mean, like Gatlin said in his interview after, it was, well, the two test matches, the second and third, and the first one to a degree, could have went either way. There was nothing in it. Two quality teams, bounce of a ball. Do you know what I mean? Ches and Colby's one opportunity in three test matches... And what a wonderful try it was. And then, Andrew, the nemesis, you said that he'd come on. If he'd come on, the South Africa in trouble comes on. You couldn't have scripted it for them, could you? He kicks a winning penalty and South Africa win and that's it. That's all she wrote.
0: Yeah, well, let's go back to Thursday uh, evening when we were doing the Rugby Pass live show uh, down at Final Rugby Club and... After 15 pints, we've all said silly things. And there's a bit of history behind it because I'd gone there in a green polo shirt thinking the Springboks are going to win and I've got to sit here all night and talk about how great the Springboks are. And then you sit next to Adam Jones and one, sitting opposite and next to Adam Jones, he makes me feel a million dollars because...
3: You look like a skeleton compared to him. I
0: (laughs) I ain't ever getting that bad. But then he starts talking about the Springboks and the Lions games, and he calls Malherba fat. (laughs) And he started to convince me the Lions are going to win. And then I had five pints, and then six pints, and then seven. By 15 pints, I'm like, Mornay Stain is, no, there's no chance he should be playing. And uh, if he comes on, the Lions are definitely winning. So I just thought I'd say it. And there's a big cheer from the crowd. Everyone agreed. Jim, you agreed as well.
3: Did I? Oh, I think I did.
0: It was very kind of Rugby Pass to put the video together and edit it very cleverly uh, to make me look like a right mug. But I owned it. I did say it. And if you look at what his impacts on the game, if he ever touches the ball, ball in hand...
3: He's getting folded like a penknife, isn't he? Let's be honest. He does <laughs> yeah. not want contact.
0: If you have a look about how he played against the Lions for Springboks A, what happened in the in-goal area, there was reason behind what I said, but never question his kicking. And, you know, Maro Toji gives the penalty away in pulling down the ball that he slots a worldy of a penalty from near the right on touchline from about 40 out. And then Courtney Laws gives the penalty away for not rolling away, which I, I, I thought was a bit
3: harsh. It was very harsh. Big call. The problem is he said
0: tackle a roll away and then he pinged him. But two of our better players gave two crucial penalties away. But it was a it was a game of missed opportunities. So you mentioned Cheslin Colby's opportunity that he took. Same stretch of turf. Liam Williams, me old 2v1. How about give it to Josh Adams, the top try scorer on tour? Oh no, the old... Jim Hamilton, pump and go, hold on. And the try has gone begging. And loads of things to talk about. Listen, when they got the driving line out try, it kind of lulled us, I think, into a false sense of security, thinking that we could do that every time or we could do that four out of five times or three out of four times and that's how we win the game. You know, hindsight and sitting on the couch you know, watching it on TV or being in the pub, and and you know us chatting about it now, it's easy, isn't it? It's easy to say should have done this, should have done that. And in the heat of the battle, your mind sometimes goes wandering off. We've got that drive line out try, but we we probably had five penalties, I reckon. I haven't counted them all back, but five, maybe six penalties where we could have gone for goal and we didn't. Tiny, tiny margins. I think the Lions actually played the better rugby. Finn Russell was just magnificent. You know, no other way to describe how he played. He came on. He did everything that you expect Finn to do with all his magical little touches. But he also ignited our attack for parts of the game um, when we could get some front football. Um, and he's, he's kicking off the tee. People, I think Jim, I think you questioned his kicking off the tee a few weeks back on the podcast. Did I? I think you said I've got to go Owen Farrell because Finn Russell can't kick. I,
3: I don't. I, I don't think I said that.
0: You know, he was slotting every kick as well. So it wasn't. I'd get going for the corner. When your goal kickers, is someone like myself, who was one in four or something like that, or you know maybe South Africa had another, a reason to go for the corner because until Mornay stain came on, Andre Pollard was struggling to kick goals, wasn't he? So you know the fact that Finn had slotted everything, he slotted the touchline conversion as well.
3: He didn't smile. He had he had the bit between his teeth. Well, he smiled a bit. But yeah, but he didn't dance. Normally, damp you know it gives it that kind of little kind of jiggle, but he didn't.
0: But then you know, I mean, first and foremost. You know, people talk about pride and everything. It's been a horrific tour for how they've had to live their lives. So a massive pat on the back to everyone from the players, the coaching staff, all the support staff that have put the tour together and and lived that way. It, it must have been horrific at times. Uh, and I don't say that lightly because, you know, if you think back to how hard, and this is what I implore people to do, think back to how hard the very first lockdown was for those first sort of four or five weeks when everyone was like jeez I want to get out I want to do stuff and we couldn't that's how they've been living their lives in South Africa away from their families just stuck in a hotel and towards the end of it you can go and walk around a golf course um, so you know huge pride and pats on the back for everyone that uh, have got it there but there will be frustrations we're here to dissect the game with an open cloth and a, a dirty gym's cloth as well that's been
3: it's filthy at the minute it's 50 weeks old mate
0: it's been wiped through the front I've used it a bit behind the back
3: it's gone through the stent as well that <laughs> fell out on Thursday night <laughs>
0: We have to talk about parts of the game. And, you know, there were some big missed opportunities for me. Liam Williams is one, is, is the obvious glaring uh, main chance on, you know, and ironic it's the same stretch of pitch that Cheslin Colby skins him on when he makes the break. And, you know, it's a 14 point swing from Liam Williams. And I, you know, I'm not singling him out as a reason, but, you know, we're here to, to dissect the game. And unfortunately, two big errors by him, you know, have crossed the lines.
1: Were you guys surprised that they keep pumping it into the
0: corners and not going for the three? So from my perspective, and hindsight's always easy. And it, when I was the fly off on the pitch, I was always like, can, "Let's take the points." Mainly because there was a bonus involved for points scored, but also probably because um, you know you have to three six nine to win games and stuff. And that I was old school mentality. It's interesting to hear your sort of take on it, Jim, as a second row who mauled to the cow sheds and back. Like I, you hear all the forwards a lot of the time, and you have to try trying to calm them down. But you Hear a lot of the forwards, let's go to the corner, go to the corner, but they're not decision makers, they're just thinking with their nuts and their bravado, aren't they? A lot of the time because they want that, they want to take them on. And, and it, you know, things may have been spoken about in the changing room, but from a forwards perspective, someone that dominated line outs for 20 years, guilty, disrupted mauls like you wouldn't believe, and carried Correct. mauls on your back like you would believe. What was your thoughts?
3: I think they had the same thought process as the former vice captain of Scotland, Jim Hamilton, speaking in the third person. I'm screaming at them to go to the corner because I don't want to see a draw. So I'm thinking, is that the reason why, obviously, Finn Russell goes to the corner, we don't score, but then we get another penalty and then he goes for the post? I think for the first time ever, I saw South Africa, I say ever, in a long, long time, some vulnerabilities around the line-out drive. So we obviously saw the Lions score a couple of line-out drives. The Sheriff scored one at the weekend The Tom Curry one got disallowed. If he would have stayed in position, it would have been a try. Some referees arguably might have even given that. So I can see why that they've gone for it because, I don't know, a way in... well, it's not, I don't know, it's a fact. In South Africa, the way that the referees are at the minute, three points here, three points there. You need to score some tries, big fella, if you're going to beat them. So I quite enjoyed the fact that they went to the corner. But in hindsight, in that third test, bigger looked injured to me. Going into that third test, his leg was heavily strapped. Finn was obviously kicking extremely well. They maybe had something in their mind where they just thought, fuck it, I just swore. Alan Wynne-Jones swore, so I can swear. Um, we're going to the corner and we'll give it a go. In hindsight, Andrew, as we know, it's easy to sit here and say they should have took three, should have took three. But again, I just think we would have seen a draw and we would have all been sat here gutted.
1: Jim, how would you feel when, you, when uh, Finn Russell came on? Because he obviously changed the game around a little bit.
3: Well, firstly, I thought Greenwood's comments were ridiculous. We're either going to win by 20 or lose by 20. Well, we're never going to win by 20, are we? Let's be honest. Uh, it's South Africa, the world champions. Um, but I kind of get what he's saying. It's kind of like... it's, and we, we said it before, didn't we? Like, he's going to come on and do something unbelievable or he's got the... Well, what other people think, I don't think he's got it in him. Just throw a loop past it, and get intercepted. I think Finn Russell's one of the best 10s in the world. I've said it on here before. We've had him on here before. It's easy to show bias towards your fellow countrymen, um, but he is. Look what he's done at Racing. Look what he's done for Scotland. He's obviously been through a process in himself with falling out with Gregor Townsend, with the Scotland team coming back in, it not all being about Finn Russell and Scotland playing well. Yes, Andrew, we finished fourth, but we beat England at Twickenham, we beat France away. I didn't say anything. But I know what you're thinking. What's happened to you? 50 weeks of pain. I know, I'm bringing it back. (laughs) Let's, Let's stay positive. So anyway, Finn goes on tour. We're thinking he's got an opportunity to start. As the tour is coming to the point of start, Dan Bigger's playing unbelievably well for Northampton. Wales win the Six Nations, Finn gets injured, right? This is wh- wh- where it gets to in terms of people saying if Finn started the three tests, well, he couldn't have done because he was injured. He tore his Achilles. So I didn't think we'd even see him play. I thought Owen might have started the, th- the third test, Marcus Smith maybe on the bench. But when Dan Bigger went off, I knew that Finn... I, I was thinking this way. I mean, I had five or six pints of a cookie. But I remember when I was at the pub thinking, I wonder if Finn Russell's looked in the mirror and wrote something down on paper saying, this is the biggest moment of my life. I can be an absolute legend if I come on and play and write something down, you know, almost like the black book that Dan Carter had. And I had this vision that that's something he might have done. And obviously he did come on and play unbelievably well, but they didn't win. But he was wicked when they came. For whatever reason, I don't, like, I don't know how tens work, Andrew. You know what I mean? In terms of like firing the ball early, the fact that he's got the, the ability, he's comfortable to throw it into the wider channels. They look very good mate he's one of the highest paid players in the world for a reason and I think I think the 60 minutes we saw him at the weekend or whatever it was shows you why so four years time himself Marcus Smith have got a real opportunity but there's obviously a long way to go but from a Scottish perspective I I was well happy for Finn and he was going to come on but he said he's in transit to Jersey or something he doesn't know whether he needs to isolate there for 10 days either way he's happy because he's allowed to drink now because it's uh, the off season I think I don't want to quote him but that's what I'm thinking he's thinking (laughs) You know, he, he
0: excites the players around him. He gets the other attackers running to holes, running at space, as opposed to, let's just have one-out rugby. So he's got an energy about him when when his team's got the ball, whether it's Scotland, whether it's Racing, whether it's the British and Irish Lions. And he was phenomenal. So, yeah, dead pleased for him. Um and it's ironic, isn't it? That was actually the British and Irish Lions' best attacking performance of all the three test matches. But it was the lowest ball in playtime if we could have increased the tempo a bit more at times, then oh, we looked the better team, didn't we? But ultimately, when you sit there and, you know, I'd always try and be objective when we're uh, analysing stuff. Like, I was desperate for the Lions to win. I was gutted. I actually, you know, was frustrated with the penalty at the end that, you know, we don't even see a replay on it from from Sky Sports because the broadcaster in South Africa. and like. But you've got to be objective. We looked the better team. We played probably the better rugby. Finn was a huge part of that. Uh, And unfortunately, we didn't take our chances. And and the Springboks, you know, they're world champions. They're, as Jim said, the best team in the world now. And top, top tier international rugby is about the the minute, smallest details and taking as few opportunities as you get. And you don't get many against the Springboks. And that's probably why we didn't take the series.
1: You mentioned the ball in play. It was in play for under 26 and a half minutes, which is over 10 minutes less than the average in the Six Nations. Do you think the Lions played into South Africa's hands a little bit there?
0: It's a bit of everything, really, isn't it? I mean, fair play to the Springboks. You know, when you're a team, and I go back to our days at Leicester Gym, at Leicester we played pretty much ten man rugby because that was our strength. And I say ten man; it was probably normally nine man because I was at ten, and it was basically just goody kick the conversion because the forwards had driven it over again. But it was you know you play to your strengths, and the Springboks were never going to allow. Or would never want the Lions to have a loose, fast, frenetic game for you know to tie them out and stretch them completely. They wanted it played at their pace. Could the Lions have done anything different? Um, you know they tried to up the tempo at times. They really did, but then you know there were some penalties that went against us at the wrong times, which sapped the energy, and then the, the Springboks take forever to get to a lineout. And you know you can look at it and go, oh, it's a disgrace to rugby. But the game's about winning, so every coach sets his team up in the way that they see fit to give his team the best opportunity to win the game. Now, the Springboks, you know, they wanted a set-piece, slow game. And actually, when you look back and you rewind the clock and go, all the games got moved to Cape Town. I know the first test was going to be in Cape Town, but Test 2 and Test 3 were in Cape Town. Actually, the high vault would have suited the British and Irish Lions potentially more than the Springboks in the fact that the pitches would have been harder, we would have played a bit more rugby potentially, and we wouldn't have got... the, The pitch was shocking in Cape Town, wouldn't it? In terms of the the set piece battle and all that stuff, and it actually suited the Springboks in the end, where you rewind three or four weeks and everyone said, "Oh, the fact that it's not at altitude now suits the Lions." And I actually think it went the other way. So, could they have done anything different? I mean, you can analyse all sorts of things. I think that what they should have done is just taken more opportunities. That they created a lot of opportunities, um, and you know, the accuracy wasn't quite there. Which, again. At the top tier against the Springboks, they're the most defensive team in in the planet, and they're bloody good at what they do. And that's you just got to try and break them down. And, and unfortunately, we did break them down, but didn't capitalise on on the chances we created.
3: See, with that, everyone's talking as well about how boring the games were. I don't think they were. Obviously, I can understand why rugby flirts casual fans would think that. But you look at South Africa, the efficiency, the first test, they were all fucked like they were. You could see that in the second half and they were still winning 12-3 at halftime. Think about their strike rate and the tries that were disallowed as well on top of that. The third test, the opportunities they got, my goodness me, they took their... Cheslin Colby had one chance and took it. So that is a sign of a world-class team. When South Africa had an opportunity, they took it. No questions about it. And some of the decisions were, I, I can't remember what test it was, but, you know, Willie LaRue was in front of Am who put the kick through and they were checking stuff with with, with Ma Pimpe as well. These these marginal calls against South Africa, but that shows how world-class they are because they can do the kicking, they can do the scrum, they can do the line-out, they can make the ball a mess, they can slow the game down. But my goodness, when it's on, you've got the best player in the world, and Colby. He's just skinned Liam Williams like Liam Williams is under-12s. Do you know what I mean? Like Without being asked like, he would have done that to any player in the world. That's how good he is. So well impressed with South Africa. Um, and yeah, I stand by it. The best team in the world at the minute. World Cup and not played in two years and just beat the British and Irish Lions.
1: How do you think people will look back on this tour overall in years to come? Because there's been a lot going on, isn't there?
3: It'll be the COVID tour, won't it, really?
0: You ain't ever seen another tour like that again, are you? I
3: don't, I don't think they'll do it again. I don't think. I, I think if they had their time again, I don't think they'd do it. I think they'd maybe have contingency plans in place. I don't don't really know. I mean, it's happened now. Again, hindsight, retrospective. My goodness, may I've learned that word in the last few weeks, aren't you? Thank you. Yes, I like your hair. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I I, I said it. I would prefer to have seen it in a year's time. What it would have looked like in a year's time? Who knows what the world was going to look like in a year's time? We've seen it. It's happened. Uh, We've lost marginally. I think there's still a place for the British and Irish Lions. I, I love the build-up. I love the romance around it. What it does show you is there is a real appetite for British and Irish Lions fans to be involved. Obviously, the next one's in Australia. Now, again, I'm not a futurist, Andy Rowe, but I'm thinking if Australia sort the shit out, they might allow fans in there in four years' time. So... um I'm going to look very old, but I'm going to be there, Andrew. (laughs) If you're still with us, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah,
0: let's hope so. Uh, The funny thing is, you actually go back four years, right? So we've just played the All Blacks in the the Test Series in 2017. And I think back to a lot of what people were saying then, like the Pinnacle was playing the All Blacks. But at the time, the Springboks were absolutely garbage in in 2017, if you you can rewind your clock back. Um, And they made some changes a year out from that. Obviously, Razzie comes in, they win the World Cup 2019. And it's been amazing. I actually remember the back end of that British Irish Lions tour in New Zealand going, well, the next tour is not going to be great because South Africa are absolutely shocking right now. So right now, you can probably say the Lions are winning the next Test Series against Australia 3-0 because Australia aren't the best, are they? But let's hope that over the next four years, rugby improves in Australia. There's a number of issues there and they can become super competitive because there's nothing better than a serious Series. Competitive Lions tour and for the fans to be able to go out there—that's what's been missed massively, hasn't it? You know, the sea of red, you know, everyone experienced in the country, from the players to getting out into like the townships and all those things that they've done, and local clubs and spreading the word of the Lions—it—it's it, got to stay. The format may change slightly. Uh, you know, I'd be one for perhaps a you know a slightly shorter tour with less players on the tour, uh, maybe three warm-up games, three tests. But again, go back to World Rugby. What's the calendar look like? Um, the Lions is a massive part of, of rugby. Um, whether you're an Englishman, an Irishman, a Scotsman, a Welshman, you know, an Aussie, a South African, or an All Black, a Kiwi, you know, anything. Everyone wants to see the Lions tours go ahead every four years. It's so, so special.
1: Rob Kelly has come in hot. He's asked, a few players have come out after previous tours and had a pop at Gatlin. This time, the squad got leaked twice to the media. Do you think that means some of the players were disgruntled with Gatland?
3: Oh... Yeah, I imagine there's some lads that weren't ape. Billy V called Gats out, my mentor, after the last tour. Finn, Russell called him out in his interview after, as well, in terms of the way that they played after Gats said that Finn dropped the ball, which was a bit weird. Um, High stress, high drama. There's loads of people involved, isn't there, you know, in terms of the media. You know, me and Goody have got inside knowledge because we know some of the players and we know agents and family members and these things. So you, you're always going to get unhappy campers, aren't you?
0: Not just a Lions tour in any team. Like you think of every team we've always played in. You know, you can't keep fifty players, forty-five players, or however many you've got, happy because everyone wants to start, everyone wants to play, unless you're GM and you know you is the bench.
3: But I was still sleeping. I was still I, I was still sleeping in the tent by the zip. You know what I mean? The water was still coming in. Do you like that analogy? You know, the water's still coming in. I've left the zip open. Like, you know, there's players that are sleeping by the door and they're not APE. So, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, what? Who do you think it was, Andrew? <laughs> who, who did it? Do you think a player's told an agent? Do you know what I think,
0: actually? I think it... I'm hoping it's quite innocent that's led to someone else leaking it. So it could be a player who's been picked and gone, Oh my God, this is unbelievable. I'm gonna tell someone tell someone this is the team, blah, blah, blah. Cause you the first thing you do, I remember when I first got picked for England, you phone your your mum and dad up straight away. And then they've got people to tell, haven't they? And it, it kind of spreads a little bit. So, you know, when you know the team, it's, it's not hard for a league to get out there.
3: Yeah, but on that, I remember, t- I remember telling my family, I remember telling my mum and dad that I was starting to get to Romania and I'm thinking they're going to ask me for who the team is and leak it to the commentary even Telegraph. And my mum says, <laughs> does Romania even play rugby? That was the first line.
0: There is going to be disgruntled players. People are going to come back now and say, I wish we'd have played more rugby. I wish we'd have attacked more and all this stuff. And, you know, they're easy things to say, but you know, same with Gats. Gats love regrets. Um, and Gats will say th- some things about the players. You know, We've all got to be big boys here and understand that 45 players or however I many has, has been there completely locked up in a hotel. You're going to get disgruntled players. You're going to get people that are pissed off with having to live the way they're living and not play at the weekend. But you're also going to get a lot of players buying into the whole scenario. And it sounds like... They all, you know, got on well and had a great time. But only time will tell because whenever a coach leaves, there's always people coming out of the woodwork going, oh, he did this, he said that, he was this. So only time will tell. Do you think
1: Gettlin will still be the Lions coach in 2025?
3: Absolutely not.
0: Strong, James.
3: Well, I, I think by his own choice, that he's moved back to New Zealand. He's had three goes at it. I mean, what's he done? He's beaten, obviously, Australia... Drew against New Zealand in an unbelievable tour and lost against South Africa. He'll go down as one of the greatest British and Irish Lions coaches. It's not easy to do to bring four nations together. You know, the amount of people that you hear talk about it, they shouldn't win, really. You're playing generally the three top teams in the world uh, or how it has been in recent years. And he's done a fantastic job. 2013, he made a couple of bad calls in the lead-up to it. But apart from that, (laughs) he's been fantastic. But, you know, the the big question will be in the lead-up now, there's obviously a lot of stuff to happen about who's going to put the name forward. Scott Robertson, I saw his name being banded about. I'd love to see that. He's obviously my favourite coach. Um, There could be an argument to bring a British and Irish Lions coach in and Andy Farrell, you know, something we spoke about on the live show on Thursday. But I think this is the end of the unbelievable road for Warren Gatlin Uh, there's a part of me that hope it doesn't you know we've seen with with Geach and Talfa they can do it 105 years old and and, and still deliver so um, you know with Gats he could potentially do the same but the fact that he's moved back to New Zealand do you think he's priming himself for the All Blacks role well it's going to come down to a heads up between him and Scotty Robertson isn't it
0: not both Uh, possibly who knows but then do they both want to be the chief because you can't have two big chiefs can you so uh, he'll go down in the history as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Lions coach there's been. Um, he looks like he needs a rest. Um, yeah, you know, the stress and strains, you know, I've been there, he comfort eat. Gats has definitely been comfort eating and and, and avoiding the gym. Um, but you know, he he's the best to have done it over the last how many years we're talking about on Lions tours. So he's gonna be in the picture, but you know, you think back to four years ago and everyone's like, oh, who's it gonna be? Some people are saying Eddie Jones. How's Eddie getting on now? You know, and I remember Billy Villapola came out and said, Oh, if Eddie had been coached, we'd have won that 3 0. Well, Billy, what are you going to say now? You're going to say the same thing about Eddie? Well, you can't. So it's it's all about timing. Do I think they'd go for Scott Robertson if he's still out coaching in New Zealand? No chance. But is he the sort of guy that if he took a job over here, which who knows, he may take the England job in a couple of years? You just don't know. So they normally make the decision two years out there, don't they? So it's not long. And for me, I'd go. If you are going someone now that's in the mix, I'd go Big Faz. Big Faz would be the guy to to carry it on. I reckon, as long as he doesn't pick his son. Mate, why are you, why are you saying that, Jim? Why are you saying that about not picking his son?
3: I'm going to put my name to it. That's him done. Oh God, did I say it? No, I'm not. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see Big Faz get it. You can see him get it. Ogara you've got O'Connell. You know what what's backs are going to do. Mike Ford. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think so. I've, I've okay. got thing he might not. I've, yeah, but again, I'm not, I'm not an expert enough to think that he's definitely not. But I'm going to put my name to it that he's definitely not. Cockers? Nope. Cockers to England is what I'm hearing. I saw him cycling around Edinburgh a few days ago with his England shirt on. So that's making me think that he's English again and not Scottish. You heard it here first. Well, Gatlin's been talking about the amount of preparation
1: time again and the conversation around the Lions place in the modern game always comes up. So what do you
3: make of that? Well, I kind of spoke about it earlier. I think the Lions absolutely has a place in the game. I think they need to re-look at the way that the calendar sits. So there was obviously all the stuff with the PRL and the release of the premiership players ahead of the Japan warm-up game, obviously in a very different time, circumstances, when things were being moved around. I love the Lions. I've spoken about it before. 1997 got, is what got me into rugby, Uh 2013 is what almost made me turn my back on rugby. And then <laughs> 2017, uh, when me and Goody went there as fans, uh, fell in love with the game straight after retiring. And then the build-up and the romance around this definitely, definitely has a place. You want to see them get the full opportunity. This year, I know there's talk about the preparation, and Gatlin has made some comments. They had a better preparation than the, poor, than the poor Springboks, let's be honest.
0: Mate, they've been together eight weeks,
3: so... exactly.
0: I get every coach wants more time with their players, don't they? They always want more and more and more, and I get that. But eight weeks is a hell of a long time to be in a camp together. So you actually, there is the tipping point of going stale by the end of it, which is when you need to be absolutely flying for the Test Series. So you think back to the long Six Nations camps that you have, and you can't even imagine how hard a Lions tour is, especially how they've had to live it. So eight weeks is plenty of time, Gats.
3: We'll finish on this. I think we all agree that a sport, Six Nations rugby football olympics a british and irish lions tour is made by fans ultimately and i think we can all agree we're watching it on tv and the view of it's shit but anyone you speak to again reiterate my point in 2017 going there as a fan it's what it's all about so if people are thinking about a bucket list to australia again i don't want to get political but i'm thinking it might be open in four years time we'll see you there because it's a once in a lifetime opportunity and uh that's what sport and that's what rugby
0: is about or it's a once every four year opportunity Jim
3: yeah no but it depends how rich you are Andrew it depends how fucking rich you are why is it all about money with you well of course it is okay picture this
2: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road
1: Well, we can have a bit of a break from the Lions now and cheer ourselves up a bit by having a chat with a man who's absolutely loving life at the moment and is probably just about finished celebrating after last weekend, Australian legend and now MLR winner Matt Ghetto joins us. How are you, mate?
5: Yeah, I'm good. I'm better now.
3: Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Honestly, how are you really? Come on.
5: No, I am. I was a little fragile there for a couple of days.
3: More importantly, forget the Lions. Let's talk about some serious business. Um, how was Vegas? <laughs>
5: It was everything we expected. That was good. I think um, that was a fair driving force for me to play well. You play well, you get to Vegas. So, yeah, we enjoyed ourselves.
3: Well, Gitz, you said it was one of your best things ever to win the MLR. You know, the best feelings ever. Like, did you mean that? Were you caught up in the emotion? And I say that with the greatest respect because of the career that you've had, or was it because you knew you were getting to Vegas if you won it, and you obviously had that in your sights? But I mean, where did it rank? Because you obviously, you've done a lot in the game, and it was a big statement to make after the game.
5: Yeah, no, I definitely meant it. I think um, even throughout the week um, before the game, a lot of the players saying, like, how does this rank compared to European? And for me, it's it's exactly the same. I mean, the crowds aren't the same. You don't have the same kind of TV coverage. But for me, when you really care about a group, you kind of want the right result. So for me, I really care about uh, the players we've got, what they've created here with the Giltini. So, yeah, it did mean a lot to me to win and, and get the reward for all the effort that we've put in.
0: I mean, that sounds all nice and lovely, but all I want to hear about is Vegas. Which hotel's got your voice? Because you've left it somewhere, haven't you? <laughs> I left it in the wind somewhere. It was at the wind. <laughs>
5: Is it what goes on tour stays on tour, or is there much to say? Oh, mate, you know the rules. It definitely stays there. I think Vegas uh, Vegas takes a part of your soul. So for me, um, it was good. We enjoyed ourselves, um, but I'm glad it's over. I'm loving it, Giz. I'm
3: loving how quite, you're not absolutely giving us nothing, which I'd be the same, mate. Let's be honest. I would not be putting anything on record. Um, let's chat a little bit about the last year or so. And I suppose the... The interest of the MLR, I watch it obviously through Rugby Pass links, um, and a lot of people are going there, a lot of players are going there. There's a load of excitement. I think the big thing is, gets you can maybe give us a rundown and give us a, the kind of lowdown of, one, what the standard's like. I watched Ben Foden getting absolutely blitzed by big some big 45-year-old Simone Centres when he, he was at New York, and he was on about 30 grand a year, which he said was one of the highest paid salaries in the New York team. Give us a lowdown, gets on why players choose to go there, the vulgarities of, are the salaries high? What is the draw there and what the standard is? What, you know, Why are so, so many people getting into it? I think we all want it, the MLR to take off, but just give us an insight.
5: Yeah, I think um, the one thing that will probably hold back this league would be the salaries. So there's the salary cap. Uh, most players are on, I think, the top could be 40000 is an MLR contract. So if you're coming, and for me, you're coming for a lifestyle like this, uh, to be able to still compete, play in a competition that, you know, physically it's up there with, with any of uh, the competitions I've played in, but just I think the speed of play, um, the time you get to make decisions, you probably get a little bit, little bit longer here than you would you know, obviously in Europe or even back in Australia. So the standard tie, I think the salaries aren't, um, like I said, the salaries are, are what's going to hold this place back. If the salary cap ever went higher and players could come here, international players, I think this is the league that to take off. The, the draw card though, is just your, your lifestyle. Like I'm 38, about to turn 39, uh, being able to live here with my kids, 30 metres from the beach. The weather all around is good. You, you play rugby and, and you commit yourself to, to the team, but as soon as you're away from it, this was the beauty of when I was in Toulon, when you're away from rugby, you're away from it. You can just enjoy yourself, relax, have a beer, have a drink, do whatever you wanted to do midweek, knowing that as long as your performance is okay, you can live a really good
0: life you couldn't have picked a better city to do it in 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 LA for the Giltinis. But would it have been the same if the Utah Warriors had come after you? Or is it all about LA and the (laughs) the carrot of Vegas as well? (laughs)
5: Um, Well, I didn't get that option. I think for me, I was going to retire after Japan. And then Adam Ashley Cooper had been talking with the owner here of the Gilt at the LA team, um, Adam Gilchrist, and he said, are you interested? And at the time, I wasn't. But then the longer that lockdown went on, the more you realise you're a long time retired. So... I never really spoke to any other clubs, never really chased that. It was just this opportunity came up in LA um, and I think it's a great city as you touched on. So, yeah, I'm glad I did it.
3: What about the celebs? Gets I mean, maybe don't tell us about any of the celebs in Vegas, but any knocking around LA? It's hilarious, actually, because I know Adam Ash really well. Uh, Obviously, he didn't play in the final. I think he he tore his bicep, didn't he, a couple of weeks before did something to his elbow. And I'm watching him at the end of the game. One of the cheesiest things I've ever seen, but I loved it with Fat Man Scoop. And it was Fat Man Scoop on the decks after the match. But, like, surely there's a bit of celeb spotting out there.
5: I don't really read too many of the magazines. I think... There's a lot of um, LA Kings players around here where I live. Uh, I think Vince Vaughn goes to the cafe we go to. I think Shale is around here. But I haven't uh, I haven't spotted too many of them. Most of the celebs that we've spotted have either been at the Lakers game that I went to or at our games that our owner will have those, um, like that uh, DJ Aoki is it?
3: Oh, it's DJ Oki. I know who he is. Look, man, I yeah, read all DJ these Oki. magazines.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he was there. We had Adam Ash uh, spinning the decks with uh, Fat Man Scoop at halftime. So I think that's where we – they're definitely around. But I just – if I'm not training, I'm down the beach with my kids cruising. Like, it's actually – I think LA is a bit of a waste for me. Well, that's Steve Oki, he's mates
0: with Dan Bilzerian, which Jim actually – tries to um, model yourself on, don't you, Jim? Minus.
3: No, I, a lot of people say that.
0: Minus a load of cash and the good looks. But, um, I mean, what a trip, though, really. Um, what's the plans now? Because obviously Australia is in a, a bit of a horrific lockdown. Can you get back or are you saying, hey, listen, I'm staying in LA for a while?
5: No, we, um, they cancelled a lot of flights to go back. American Airlines did, back to Australia. Um, but we, when you first sign up to come here, you've got to put a return date. And for us, it's the 15th. So that's uh, in a week now. So we'll go back, yeah, that two-week hotel quarantine, that'll be, I reckon that'll be the toughest stretch of my life. That'll be harder than any pre <laughs> anything I've done um, with the kids. And then they're they're back to school in Australia. So that was always the plan. We're sticking to that. And then uh, if I come back, I'll, I'm not too sure. I think now that dust settled, it's probably something that I'd like to do. But with everything that's going on in the world, I don't know if it's actually realistic, if I can do it. I think the government's introduced something in Australia where, if you sign or you take a job overseas after the 1st of August, they're not guaranteeing that you can, you can come back into the country until everything's resolved. So I don't know.
3: Yeah, it's all a bit mental because um, I was, again, watching your interview after the game, but also knowing that we are similar ages, even though I look about 62 and you still look about 25. Is the appetite still there? Because it is the big question. You know, you get to 35, 36, you get close to 40, and then naturally... You can see players coming to the end, right? And I I tweeted it uh, during the game, watching some of your clips. Now, not to big you up too much, but I know you're a little bit vulnerable at the minute. You feel a bit dusty. Mate, you're carving up. Do you know what I mean? You get man of the match at the weekend. I think you're the highest point scorer in the playoffs or whatever the stat was that I I saw. So obviously you can still do it. You know, you watch DC, you watch Dan Carter. Not that he couldn't do it, but injuries start taking hold, don't they? Regardless of however good you've been. So is the appetite still there? I mean, because it seems like the ability is still there. I mean, is the dream scenario to do one, two, go until the body says no, or at some point do you just get on the beach in Australia, the pina colada, and, and reap what you kind of sawed over the last 20 years?
5: Yeah, I think um, for me, well, definitely this year, the, the carrot of winning a competition, a uh, new competition that I hadn't um, competed in was, was a big driving force. Once I knew um, Adam Ashley Cooper was going to hang him up, that was another one which really uh, pushed me to try and play as well as I can, prepare as well as I can to send him off the right way. I think that's the biggest question: is what uh, what is it that's going to keep me driving? What what's going to keep me going um, and wanting to get better, wanting to compete for the group? Uh, so I think that's naturally that's something that I that I always toy with and think about, but once once you come in, you start doing preseason, there's new guys here. I almost feel like internally in my mind that I want to prove myself a little bit to these uh to the new guys or to to the staff. Um I still love competing. So when when the games happen, that's kind of the easy part. I think the hard part for me is like your Monday, Tuesday training again, contact sessions of training when you're just doing contact for contact. You know, the game's not for another four days. So I don't know. Just got to get my head around that. And so that's selfish reasons. But then I've been selfish for a long time now. I've got to start thinking about the family and the kids schooling and all that boring stuff.
0: Definitely. I'm mate, I'm, I'm your own heart. Every pre-season, I put it in to try and prove people
5: wrong. You were my motivating factor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you were the one. <laughs> <laughs> I got to the end and I just thought, fuck it, I'm going to skip this one and play on again. So, mate, skip a pre-season. you get another season playing rugby out of you. Um, it's been amazing, though, hasn't it? Even if, if, it, if it is your last game, your career has been absolutely phenomenal from you know those young days with uh, Drew Mitchell and the boys with the bleach blonde hair in a wallaby shirt. What do you look back on with the fondest memories, apart from obviously the last sort of uh, six weeks?
5: Um, I don't know. I haven't really had much time to reflect. I'm not really a big one to, to reflect on things. Uh, what would I be, I think, most proud of, I suppose, just most places that I've gone, I'm still in contact with a lot of the guys, a lot of the players. So I've created some great, uh, you know, friendships and memories. I think when you do that, for those guys to to want to stay in contact with you, you've obviously put in... Uh, on and off the field you're showing them that you care so I don't know that would be the biggest thing just the friendships I've made uh, I've been very fortunate to go into some some pretty special teams as well.
3: And what about the state of the game at the minute gets good or bad I mean I don't know if you saw the Lions test against South Africa absolute classics in my opinion but a lot of people most people <laughs> beg to differ do you know what I mean and a player who you know let's not forget you played in the World Cup final in 2003 and Johnny put a nice little tackle on you. I know we've spoken about that. I don't want to bring that up, but our millions of listeners might just want to be reminded of that. But you've obviously played, you know, where kind of, not amateur breach, professional, but where it was still a little bit old school, all the way through. You've played across the world. You know, you're now playing in, in America. Like, what do you look at the game now in terms of the lay of the land, you know, the TMOs, the, you know, the the big hits, everything that's kind of going on in the game now. Are are you bothered? Do you look at it? Do you worry? Are you happy? Are you sad? I know know you're sad at the minute. I can tell you're sad at the minute.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I'm emotionally drained. No, I think, I don't know. Um, I think it's in a really good space. I think in Australia, I'm I'm a bit worried about it uh, as far as a popularity um, kind of sport. I think it's ranking probably the fourth most popular in winter. That's something that that I worry about because not that I want my kids to play, but I want it to be an option where they're excited about it, whereas it's just not the case in Australia at the moment. Uh, As far as world rugby, I think it's in a really good space. Uh, Europe, it's obviously huge. Uh, America, we're trying to pick it up and it's starting to get some momentum. The Japanese league is taking off. You only got to look at the international players going there. So I think rugby at the moment is in a really, really good space. And the com- like how competitive it is. You, you would have said for ages that the, the All Blacks are the number one team. Now it's looking likely like it's South Africa.
3: Oh, don't say that. Well, I do think South Africa are the number one team, but people are going nuts at me about it.
5: Well, they won the World Cup. Now they've, they've just won the British and Irish Lions series. So it's hard to, to really compare. I think the All Blacks will always be up there. But the fact that they're not the dominant number one choice at the moment shows that rugby is in a really good space.
0: And what's um, whether you play on for another year? Are you the sort of guy that wants to get into coaching? I know you've been a student of the game, and you still are. Like just listening to you speak now, that the effort and the work that you put in, and as a ten, twelve, you know, game player, it's natural to think that hey, be an unbelievable coach and a rugby brain. Is that something you want to look at as well?
5: No, I don't think so. No, I, oh okay. The part that I hated, well, not that I hate, but the, what I dislike most is the review process, um, individual analysis, looking at all that stuff from a playing point of view just to prepare the best I can. So you obviously do your notes, look at the way teams attack, uh, where they could be vulnerable, et cetera. But you then get the fun part to go out and implement that. If I'm from a coach, you're not doing that. You, you just set that game plan and then your hand's off, you don't actually get the fun part to compete. So I think for me, coaching is definitely off. Whether it's um, around specialist areas, um, I, I don't know, like that type of stuff. I'd still love to be involved in rugby, but I just don't think a full-time coaching role, it just wouldn't suit me. And I just know I'll, potentially I might not love the sport that's given me so much. So I'd love to just have fond memories of it rather than hating it at some point.
1: Just going back to what you are saying about the state of the game in Australia, what do you think needs to change for it to improve and to improve the popularity of it
5: yeah i think obviously winning is a big part of that so um once the team uh can continuously become successful then australia will get on board i think from a grassroots level there probably needs to be a little bit more investment there we've ignored that for a long long period and that's where the game's kind of slipped away you look at australian rules rugby league even soccer they've got um players turning up to even my kids' school in ACT, and we don't have, say, for Australian rules, you don't have an Australian rules team in the ACT, yet there's still teams like the Sydney Swans or GWS that are coming to the school, giving them posters, uh, getting them excited about the game. So I think rugby needs to invest a little bit more in the grassroots, get the kids wanting to go watch these guys that they see or posters that they've received, and then from there, naturally, parents have to take their kids where they want to go, and then the sport will pick up. I remember when I was young, the Brumbies were, or ACT was obviously the, the ticket that you wanted to go watch on the weekend. Even years 11 and 12, you'd head out the Brumbies before you'd have a drink, watch them play. Then you go out and party. Like, naturally, like, it's just not the way things are at the moment, and especially in Canberra. You want to go watch the Canberra Raiders rugby league or you'll go watch an AFL game when they come to Canberra. But uh, rugby at the moment it's just not on the same page and I'd love to get it. Back
3: up there. Well, while we're on opinions, from one go out to another, who is the best gets that you've played against? I know I've touched you once. I think you might have touched me once as well. But when you look back at it, and look, I know it's a headline question. Um, and I know that you are quite fragile at the minute, but it'd be good to get your gauge because genuinely I say this and without trying to be a fanboy, you were one of the greatest players to have played like you are, whether or not you want to sit there and you need the kind of love that I'm giving you now virtually, uh, you probably do, me. you're, probably, you're, you're <laughs> probably absorbing it, but mate, you've played across the world. Like, is there anyone that stands out where you're like, right? Okay, Jim Hamilton's up there in the top three, but these guys are like the very best of the modern age. I mean, even now when you, when you watch people, people are talking about Marcus Smith in England. He was obviously on the Lions Tour, Finn Russell, like these guys coming through. I mean, is there anyone? Give us, give us someone.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, didn't get, I haven't had the opportunity of playing against any of those guys, but I enjoy uh, even Finn Russell when he came on. I just enjoy with, watching him play with a lot of freedom especially in a test match like that, it was so tight. Every Everyone was just kicking, playing field position. Obviously, the ball was slippery. You're going to do what you can to win. So it was a real game of chess. But he will come on, put a cross-field kick, uh, likes to play. No look, little cut pass there where I think if they'd drawn the – could have been Pollard there, could have been another try for the Lions. Any players that play like that, it gives me a lot of joy watching it. As far as um, best I've played against, it's really hard – I suppose because I played him in every single league domestic league that I went to Dan Carter would probably be one that continually tested me for 80 minutes because you've always got to even when you're in front you've still got to find a way to to finish the game off he's just a player that never quit and always I think mentally required a fair bit from me to stay in the game for 80 minutes
3: Well there's the headline Finn Russell Dan Carter are the goats
5: <laughs> I thought I was going to get a
0: mention as well there Gitz because obviously we played against each other a couple of times but what I will say is you're feeling down, you're struggling after Vegas and what people do is they get home and they put comfy clothes on. You can always make yourself feel better by putting on my Wasp jersey that I gave you that was about five times too big. <laughs> um, that we swapped after. I turn around, That's already framed up. I've got that. <laughs> I
3: <thought laughs> A it, double frame. It'll have to be
0: a big wall to, yeah, it to, big wall <laughs> to sit it on there. So um, last thing from me then, did you tell the missus it was just a quiet weekend in Vegas or did she understand that it was full noise? Because it's one of those lads trips, you come back and she's like, how was it? I was like, oh, it's quiet, just a quiet one really. But um, <laughs> yeah. I think your, your missus is pretty experienced in understanding what it's like, right?
5: Oh, no, she knows. Yeah, she knows <laughs> um, what happened. I think the fact I came home, couldn't speak to the kids for for about, I don't know, 24 hours, I think, was a clear indicator that I'd had a, a fair crack. <laughs> Legend.
3: Gets, before you go, let's um, just chat about your wine. Me and Andrew love wine, but you, yourself, obviously, Drew Mitchell, Adam Ashley Cooper, have you got a wine that's out already? Can we buy it in the UK? Will it ever be able to get over here when things open back up?
5: Yeah, I think, obviously, with the climate at the moment, it's pretty tough. So we're just selling in um, in Australia at the moment, backline wines. That's, that's the name. bit cheesy, but, yeah, it's doing well. It's just... As I said, a bit of an interest outside of rugby, um, but with the current climate, we're just, it's just in Australia. So if you can get over there, I promise you, I'll give you a nice rate. Very nice. And la- last thing on Drew then, obviously,
0: great friend of yours. You've seen, uh, and obviously, you know, he's he's fallen madly in love over the last six, nine months. Um, is that because you've been away as well and, and he's needed someone else to hold his hand? Or, or? I think I've contributed.
5: Yeah, I've definitely contributed there. He uh, No, it's good to see. He's happy. Um, he calls me less except when we're in Vegas every day I reckon every couple of hours is like what's going on what's happening in the virtual tour of the, of the trip so he's in love it's great but he definitely missed uh, he missed us when we are in Vegas he even told us he said I'm a little jealous
3: well rest up gets t- tomorrow's going to be a better day and the day after and the day after
5: <laughs> you promise I promise. I promise.
3: <laughs> Matt Ghetto, thank you very much for coming on the show,
1: mate. Best of luck with the re- recovery, and uh, hopefully, we see you on the field again next season. Cheers, guys. Cheers,
5: guys. Now, bye, boys. Thank you.
3: <laughs> A good lad, but absolutely bollocks, let's be honest.
0: Absolute legend, that bloke is. Um, yeah, I mean. Front and up when you've been in Vegas, you just want to hide in your house for about a week, don't you? And preferably not with the missus and the kids.
3: Every question, Andrew, we were asking him, he was looking over his shoulder, weren't he? He was like, he, he was like flinching. <laughs> I only asked him who the best players he's played against were, he's like flinching.
0: Right, that's what Vegas does too. Yeah, he's a top boy. We had a good time with him out in uh, Hong Kong as well, didn't we? so um... Yeah,
3: he is. Yeah, I, I love the Australian lads. Him, obviously, Drew Mitchell, friend of the show. We keep in contact with him. Uh, Hughie Edmonds as well, who I played with at Gloucester. Um, yeah, I've got. A lot of love in my heart for the for the Australians.
0: And Matt Giteau needs a lot of love right now to recover from Vegas.
3: He bloody well does. Let's be honest.
0: <laughs> right, let's finish things off for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, the good. Uh, let's start off with the good. We start off with a, a bit of a weird one. Australian rugby. They're going to get a mention in the good this week, Jim.
3: Why? What's happened? Para, Petra Soupercy, my mate, bomb bag. Well, it's part of having a bomb bag. The
0: sponsor, Cadbury's sponsor, Australian rugby. What? A sp- I mean, I would be. Their ideal player to be sponsored by Cadbury's. Unbelievable sponsor. Just free chocolate 24
3: 7. No. You're the warning sign. So when you open up the cigarettes, it says, please do not smoke. You're going to (laughs) open the Cabral's wrapper and there'll be a picture of you and just
0: says, warning, do not eat. (laughs) There we go. Probably, you're probably right, Jim. But um, yeah, they get a mention of the good this week. Um, We're going to stay down in the Southern Hemisphere. Big tip of the slipper to Sky Sports for getting the rugby championship on our screens. Uh, Massive news for rugby fans over the next few weeks to be able to watch that. Absolutely love it as a contest. Um, We'll stay in New Zealand. And we're going to go Rico Yoani. Have you watched him do the hacker? And if you haven't, I implore you to watch him as he looks ridiculously scary. He puts absolutely everything into it. The tongue's literally on the floor. He looks hard as fuck. He's oh. probably given it big beans with his eyes and everything. I love watching Rico Yoani do the, the hacker. So uh, he's going to get a mention in the good this week. Uh, stay in New Zealand, uh, massive shout out and a mention in the queue this week to Aaron Smith, uh, for getting his 100th cap for the All Blacks. He's only the 10th player to reach 100 All Black caps. That is some effort, Aaron Smith. Uh, follows me on socials. I follow him. I sent him a message and he said thanks. So, uh, yeah, big mention to Aaron Smith. Um, let's go over this side of the world. We're well, not quite this side of the world. Uh, we're going to go to South Africa. Matthew Ray now. I eat my words. I eat a lot of things, but I'm going to eat my words, Matthew now, because you're getting a mention in the good this week. I think, although it was a very low-end game for ball-and-play minutes, I actually thought the way he handled absolutely everything during the game, big decisions. One thing he did say is, let me know when I am on camera, and he sucked it in a bit and made himself look better. But I thought he handled the game exceptionally well. Tough circumstances. Out of the three refs that have done it, He was probably the best, keeping the players out of each other's faces, telling them to pipe down. Um, I thought he had a hell of a job on his hands, and he did a great job. So uh, tip the slipper to Matthew Ray I'll eat my hat, eat my sausages, eat my words. Uh, He was good.
3: 100% great.
0: Miles Harrison. uh, Great to hear the voice of the Lions back on the mic for the third test after his battle with colon cancer. So uh, absolutely brilliant to hear his voice. Just wish there was a bit less of some of the other voices. It's like a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, just give me more miles and less of the other garbage. Um, But there we go. That's just my opinion when I'm watching it. So I'm allowed to have my opinion. Um, What else was good? Finn Russell, the magician, showed his class not only producing bits of magic as we all know he can do, but... Bringing tempo, you know, he looked to the the man of Bourne, didn't he? Um, And he's finally shown some of the doubters that have questioned him how good he really is uh, at the top, top, top level. So, uh, well done, Finn Russell. Great to see him on the field. And anyone recovering from an Achilles injury uh, to play at that level and with that uh, sort of pace and guile uh, deserves a tip of the slipper. So, well done, him. Uh, What else is good? Alan Wynne-Jones.
3: James. Because he swore in the interview.
0: Well, yeah, we'll give him that. Uh, But... I'm just going to say he's one of the greatest ever Lions despite defeat. I think it's 12 tests on the spin for him. Um, so a hell of an effort from him in defeat. But you get to mention the good. He's been the good the last couple of weeks, Jim. Probably mainly just to annoy you because you've written him off.
3: No, not at all. No, undeniable, Andrew. You cannot deny the man as one of the greats.
0: Hell of an effort from him. I think that's probably his last Lions test, though. Can you imagine if he's still going in four years' time
3: like Gitz? I don't want to sit here and put my mortgage on it, but I'll put my mortgage on it that he ain't. I'm just saying.
0: What else is good? All the Lions players, coaches, support staff, uh, and everyone involved in the tour for toughing it out in really challenging conditions. I don't think anyone can appreciate how hard it was to live the way they have over the last sort of eight weeks, especially over in South Africa. Um, so, hell of an effort to them. But the good this week goes obviously to the Springboks, but mainly to Mournay Stane. He should never need to spend another rand in South Africa. He kicked the winner 12 years ago. I called him out on Thursday and said if he comes on, the Lions are winning. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't touch the ball in play, Mornay. Just kick the goal, son, and get paid handsomely for it. So, uh, Mornay Stain, you get the good this week for slotting the winner in two consecutive Lions tours. Uh, the bad, few bits of bad. Uh, we'll start off in Australia. Uh, fly half Noah Lolosio, uh, who only kicked two from seven from the tier against the All Blacks. Hell of a player, he is. Hell of a player. Uh, just couldn't quite get to grips with the wind at Eden Park. Um, so, not good stats. What else was. Bad. Well, I mentioned it just before. Not enough of Miles Harrison and too much other chatter on commentary. Some of it was driven, wouldn't it? So um, I've said it. Is it out of order, Jim?
3: It's personal preference of what you'd like from commentators and people are entitled to their opinion.
0: Uh, what else was bad? I'm going to stick myself in the bad this week. I'm in there, Jim. It's episode 50 of season five and I am putting myself in the bad. Who can question Mornay Stain with a record that he's got?
3: Someone who looks like he's eaten Mornay Stane is the only (laughs) person
0: who can question him. (laughs) There you go. So I am putting myself in the bad for my comments around Mornay Stane last Thursday night after 15 beers at the Rugby Pass live show down at Farnham Rugby Club. Um, What else was bad? Talking about TV coverage. uh, The host TV coverage in South Africa, I thought it was poor at times. And maybe that's why there was a bit too much chatter. But when you need to see a replay, stick the replay on. Like, like, don't just pan in on other people sat in the stadium that you can't go and watch the game anyway. So I thought, like, even the last penalty, didn't see a replay of the scrum penalty that Mako Vinopola gave away in the last penalty. I just thought, overall, unfortunately, Sky were kind of doing it with one arm behind their backs. They're reliant on the South African coverage to give them the pictures, and they could have been better,
3: James. 100% agree. I thought I, I think you've been too kind to it then. We are talking about the top end where TV should be unbelievable in 4K, 8K, I don't even know what the Ks or Ds are, but nonetheless, I thought it was shocking, yes.
0: Uh, what else is bad? The ball in playtime in the third test, the lowest of all the three tests at 26 minutes and 22 seconds, uh, so that wasn't great. Uh, the Lions attack, are going to have to get a mention of the bad, only two tries in three tests, which wasn't good enough. Uh, Liam Williams, he's got a mention of the bad, just for that 2v1, just give it Josh Adams, Liam. But the bad this week goes to one man, one man who's let everyone down. What have I done? Not you, James. He's an ex-teammate of yours. You've played with him. I'm devastated. I I really am. So this is why I'm giving him the bad. Amish Watson's cut the mullet off. There better be a good reason. It was the strongest thing about him and he's cut it off.
3: He looks awful now. I don't want to say too much about (laughs) it because he's obviously down in the dumps because he he didn't get another opportunity after the first test. But uh, what have you done?
0: Why have you done that? So the bad this week goes to Hamish Watson for cutting off his mullet.
3: Undeniable.
0: And then the ugly. Um, Only one ugly thing, and to finish episode 50 of season five, the ugly thing is a second row gem. Oh, God. Brody Retallick. Yeah, he is quite ugly, but he gets the ugly because of the cheap shot on Michael Hooper on the ground. uh, Michael Hooper was with his arms up in the air. Uh, the ball was pretty much out of the rock and he's just gone an absolutely cheap shot at him. So uh, Brodie Retallick is ugly and he gets the ugly this week.
1: Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off, haven't you?
3: Yeah, let's finish on some positive news of people doing positive things. It's not all good news, unfortunately. But yeah, big shout-out to the guys at Middleton RFC in Ireland. They've been undertaking a massive journey, walking, running the distance from Middleton in County Cork to Joburg to support the Lions. That's 14,000 kilometres, Andrew, in total. If you put that down as calories, you'll understand how much that is. Anyway, they've done it to raise funds, to buy new lights, to allow the youth rugby teams to train all year round, and they're aiming to raise €6,000. So just check out their GoFundMe page by searching Journey to Johannesburg if you want to help them out.
0: Big shout out to them and a shout out to Mark Shezer Sheridan as well. He's an avid pod listener and Blackheath Rugby Club member who is swimming the circumference of Jersey whilst on holiday there in August. His wife Emily has successfully battled cancer recently and Shes is raising money for Macmillan's as a thank you to all the wonderful nurses who have supported his wife and many others this year. It's a 51 kilometer swim in total and will be absolutely freezing so the old boy might shrivel up a little bit. Uh, But Shes has moobs bigger than mine and a bush bigger than Jim's. It'll be warm then. So he'll be fine. If you've got big boobs or moobs and you've got a bush like Jim, you'll be fine. You won't even feel the cold. Um, So hell of an effort. Good luck to Shares. And apparently we've got to sign off by asking him what his pecking order is. What do you reckon that means, James? What is his pecking order? Well,
3: well I can tell you that if he's got a bush, by the sounds of it, it's pretty big. I don't think there is even a pecking order with him. So (laughs) I don't think there's much pecking going on there. Speaking of peckers, I mean, um budgies, a big shout-out to Eddie Fogg, who's running the London Marathon this year, and he's promised to run all of the 26.3 miles in just his budgie smugglers, tell the chafer, if he reaches over £5,000 in donation. All the money is going to Lurius Sport for good foundation as well, which is a great cause. As we know, both Andes, we've been invited to their golf day, which we can't go to, and there's got some top-end Laureus ambassadors as well. So good luck with that, Eddie and uh, tell the chafe that, bring the Vasily.
0: Jim, would you uh, do the London Marathon in a G-string? And how much do I need to basically hand over to charity to get that to happen?
3: Well, I'd wear a G-string. How much are you going to pay me for that? I don't know if I'd be able to do the marathon. I don't think the disc in my back is... I
0: just need I just need to see the bush. I need to see the bush in a G-string.
3: What about if I wear a G-string and then just eat it? And then what?
0: <laughs> what? <to laughs> how much? You, so everything's hanging out?
3: Unless I took it. I don't know what, where we're going with this. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening to this fifth season of The Rugby Pod. We'll be back in about six weeks. But if you're looking for a podcast to fill your time with in the meantime, check out The Andy Rowe Show. No, no. no. What? We've just kicked out season two with some quality guests. So get involved. We'll be back on Spotify in six weeks' time with the sixth season of The Rugby Pod.
3: Rugby, Spot, over and out. Spot a pod, 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 pod.